Hello. How are you? This is Chet with another episode of the Dark Art Society podcast. Episode 138, my interview with Mao Squaz. That's her art name. Her art is amazing. I love it. We had a really great conversation, actually just finished it. And uh, good interview. Great interview. So another good one. So what's been going on with me? What's been going on with you? I'll tell you what's been going on with me. I don't even remember what I said last week. How much of this I got into. It must have been. Let me see. When was that? Is that before Halloween? Last week was, must have been, yeah, right before Halloween. Okay, so I talked about doing all the Halloween studies, probably. I was burning out on that. Um, here's something new. I went to the Patreon assembly in Los Angeles this Saturday. I made Christopher Ulrich go with me so he could help me set up, but mostly because I didn't want to be there by myself feeling awkward but it's the patreon assembly was a a live streaming event all over the country and they had little cells in different cities major cities to where patreon um creators could meet up and then watch this live stream which were some interviews with some successful patreon folks and they had some people who are users of patreon go up and speak live in person as well and uh, one of those people i was excited to find out was american mcgee the video game designer you may know his um uh alice game he, i think he got well known for very dark art centric and um, really, it, it's, it's, it was a weird thing that, that I had no idea who was going to be there. I do support his Patreon. Um, uh, I, I, like, like he put it, we've been kind of orbiting each other for years now and knowing we, we've known of each other's work for a long time, but we've never met. And uh, in the last, I don't know, year or two, uh, we both have a mutual friend in um, Andrew, mutual friends in Andrew and Deborah Hawkins, who support both of our Patreons. You know, you know them probably by being very active in the dark art community. And um, so, I think Andrew would always talk to me, to American, and and um, then he would talk to American about me, and so. You know, we were, we've both been aware of each other for a long time. And before that, even for the release of um, the, the Alice video game, I was in a group show at Gallery 1988. This must have been, when did this game come out? Mm, 2000? No, this, oh, this must have been. This must have been the sequel to the Alice game, maybe. Let me see. 2000. 
11, possibly. Alice Madness Returns. I don't know. I'm fuzzy on the timeline, but that's with every part of my life. Yeah, it couldn't have been at the initial release because that was in 2000. Anyway, there was a group show at Gallery 1988 that coincided with the release of this Alice sequel game. And, you know, it's a dark version of Alice in Wonderland. <clears throat> and the artists in the show got to create artwork based on the Alice video game. So I did a piece for that. I was really happy with how it came out. And so I've been aware of him since then, whenever that show was. And he's been aware of me since then because he said he wanted to buy that painting that I did, but it was sold already, which is kind of cool. Anyway, long story short, he was at this Patreon assembly speaking. And I've been wanting to connect with him in forever. And, uh, you know, he lives in China now, which is crazy. So the, I, the odds that he would be in LA at a show that, that I happened to be at was just kind of weird. So we ended up hanging out. Him and Christopher Ulrich got along really well also. We talked about all kinds of cool stuff and possibly working together in the future, if, you know, if we can work something out. He's definitely got that similar dark art aesthetic that we all have. He's, you know, definitely one of the part of the family, as far as I'm concerned, the dark art family. So that was cool. That was fun. Uh, what else is going on? I'm still kind of recovering from October, which is just painting a million studies to try and make money to pay these, cover these expenses I need to cover. And my dog is sick. So that's hopefully, I don't know what's going to come of that. It might not be good, but he's an older dog. That's been kind of a bummer, but I'm not going to get into that. Um, so that's what's been going on here. So let's get on with this. Anyway, you don't want to hear me talk. You want to listen to the interview. Okay, let's do the new subscribers. Where are you, new subscribers? Come on, I had this all pulled up. Okay, here we go. I may, I don't know. I don't know. This is, uh, okay, yeah. Aaron Schwartz. Gibberosis. Dr. A, who is a great artist and toy maker, friend of mine, vinyl toy, art toy dude, Jesse Goddard, Desiree Hogan, Emily Blythe Jones. These are the new supporters of the Dark Art Society Patreon. Thank you so much for that. You are making this podcast happen without your support. I would definitely not be doing this podcast. There would be no way. So I really appreciate it. And you listening should appreciate that also. And thank you for everybody who supports the Patreon. You know, we're, we're the idea was, you know, once we hit a, a, what was it? Let me see. Once we hit a thousand dollars a month or something, or five, what was it? 500? No. Once we hit a thousand dollars a month, we were going to launch the website, but you know what? We're only at 685 and we still launched the website because that's the way we are. 
So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to keep things rolling and make things happen and build this community. So if you want to support, you could do it for just a, do- a dollar a month, $12 a year. I mean, I'm sure most people who listen to this podcast could afford $12 a year. Anyway, if you, if you feel so compelled, go, just go to patreon.com slash dark art society. And you can support my, my, uh, uh, Patreon to it, patreon.com slash Chetzar. And I will be releasing the tool posters that I did for the LA show when I get them. And they're going to Patreon people first. They, they are going to be able to purchase them before they go to the general public. So I don't even know if they'll make it to the general public stage because those seem to be, seem to have sold out really fast at the show. I, I may be doing some with little sketches on them. I'm still, you know, I haven't, I don't have the posters yet. Anyway, there's my pitch. Anyway, okay, let's get back into this. Five questions. Five questions. Andy Garcia, AG. If you could di- direct your own horror flick, black and white or color? Color. For sure. I love color. I love black and white movies, but, you know, as a painter, it's got to be color. It's got to be color. Uh, she asked some other questions, like what would be the title? Who would be the female lead? What would be the name of the bad guy, monster? When are we filming? But I don't have the answer to any of that. But it's something I would like to do someday. But, you know, if I think about it too much, I might not want to make a movie because it's insane to make a movie. I've been on enough movie sets and been involved in movies long enough to know that I would probably regret it once I started. But that's never stopped me before. I would have never become an artist if I if I thought, thought like that. Okay. Paul Head Bangerton. What art pisses you off the most? And then he also asked, do you drink decaf coffee? What band can you not get through a day without listening to? I don't drink decaf. To me, it defeats the purpose. What band? I I go lots of days without listening to music. Sorry to say. I will, but okay. Uh, We won't count those as part of the five questions. What art pisses you off the most? You know... I guess the easy answer would be the, you know, the art that I bitch about that everyone bitches about the art that doesn't seem to really make sense. Maybe conceptual work that doesn't make sense to the common person to, or to me, you know, or to, to you, the average person that doesn't, isn't involved in that scene, but really it's not the artwork that pisses me off. It's any, any artwork that is getting preferential treatment over another form of art because of the, uh, something other than the quality of the work, you know, like, because it's in fashion with the tastemakers of the art world that pisses me off. 
you know, you know where I stand on all that stuff. I've talked about it enough. Um, I just, I don't like artwork having a, a an edge when it require requires no skill to make it or not a lot of skill. I'm very much a craft kind of person, skill kind of person. I enjoy craft and skill, and that's just what I like. And it does kind of drive me nuts when you see something that took no craft or skill to create. And it gets preferential treatment over work that was beautifully crafted and took a lot of skill to realize. That's annoying as someone who's into skill, but you know, whatever. No, no, there's no every, you know, it's like everybody knows what the deal is with that stuff. Okay. Bill Muntz. Will you ever run out of monsters? And if so, what would be your subject matter of choice? Well, I don't think I'll ever run out of monsters. That's what, that's the beauty of painting monsters is it's, I don't believe, I believe the imagination is limitless and the monsters come from the imagination. Therefore, I will never run out of ideas for monsters. If I run out of ideas for monsters, then that would mean that would be my failing because the the imagination never runs out of ideas but if i if you want to you know pretend that i ran out of ideas what would be my subject matter of choice i would probably paint i could see painting animals and getting into that i like animal painting animals I used to do a lot of animal drawings in high school when I was working with pen and ink. So I could see doing regular portraits and animals, maybe. That's kind of satisfying. But I haven't done it for a long, you know, over and over. So I'm not sure I could keep my interest up. You know, learning how to do portraits to where you could nail a likeness every time fairly easily, that would be a, a great challenge. It's something that would be cool to accomplish, but I don't know if it would be super interesting to me after I, I don't know. I don't know. I got to have that fantasy element in there, my, the imaginative element in there to keep me really interested, I think. But who knows? I'm, I'm going with that though. Brett Hess, if you could only do one last painting in your lifetime, starting now, what would it be of? I don't know why I chose this question, but because it's kind of hard for me to answer. I don't have a, an idea of some, I mean, I have, like I've mentioned before, I have this giant canvas or, or a giant frame that'll fit a six, four by six foot canvas, which is a huge painting for me. And I do want to paint that painting someday and that will be my big epic, but I'm still not sure what the painting would even look like. I have a vague notion of it taking place in a big graveyard, but you know, that's, I also have the idea of turning it up, you know, straight up and down lengthwise and doing a huge portrait in it of a monster face. That would be amazing. That would be easier, but I, I I'm not, I'm not there yet. 
So but there's, I, I don't see any time in the foreseeable future that I'd even be able to take something like that on. So I honestly don't know. I wish I kind of wish I had that, that painting in the back of my mind waiting, but I haven't even gotten that far with it. I've got to get this book done first, this dystopia book. It's really everything. Everything is secondary compared to the dystopia book. Once I get that done, I'm not going to go into it. I say this every episode practically. Okay. Logan Long. Why is dark art valuable to society? That's a great question. And, you know, we talk about this. That's why I chose this question because in the Mouse Squaz interview, I, we, we talk about this towards the end of the podcast. Um, one of the reasons I think it's, it's so valuable. And I'll, I'll, you can listen to the podcast to get that answer. But there's so many different reasons why, why it's valuable. There's the cathartic value. There's, you know, the rebellious aspect of it. The kind of saying fuck you to the um the establishment in a way i mean i think there's value in that um thumbing your nose at, at authority in a way that's a, that's a healthy thing to do i think in uh in in general especially with the way society is these days i don't know you know i'm one of those people that I think I try and think of things from all different sides. So it's kind of hard to have firm opinions about things when you're always considering all different sides of it. I think that's a problem. A lot of people, a lot of liberals have actually, because you're always thinking of things, at least I feel this way that you're always considering like the other, the other side of the argument and seeing it from a empathetic perspective like understanding why this person believes differently than you and so now i'm going off on a tangent um i think dark art is valuable also because well yeah the cathartic value so you can get that stuff out and not keep it inside and let it fester i think in a way it's a For me, anyway, it, it's sort of a way that I can say something is wrong. And I, and I can say it in a way that is better than just saying something is wrong with the world or, the, or society. That's a big part of it to me. It's like expressing things aren't right. And, you know, and I think everybody knows this. It's not some big secret, but it says it in a way that can't be said in words or in other ways, I think. It's a unique way to state that. And I think for people under certain circumstances, it's helpful for them to see people saying that so that they don't feel crazy. Like they're not alone and thinking something's wrong. Because in certain parts of the country, parts of the world, you know, people are taught that everything is, this is the way things are supposed to be. Um, you know, these are the rules, these are the laws, and 
everything, just follow the rules, follow the laws and everything will work out. And that's not the way it is. And so when you're a kid and you know that, but everybody else is telling you the opposite, then it's like artists send out a lifeline to people like that who don't have interaction with, with their, their own circle of friends who feel that way. I don't know if I'm making sense. I just know that when I was at a, at a low point in my life, I remember listening to No Means No, a No Means No song. I don't remember which song it was, but man, I just felt like, oh, I'm not crazy. Someone else feels exactly the way I do. And it, and it, it was so valuable. And that's, you know, that's one of the great things about art in general. But I think it, dark art, especially, especially now, now more than ever dark art all right let's get into this enough of my yakking if you don't want me to do the intro if you really just want the uh interview you can let me know i i do this intro because i'm trying to give value to this podcast and make it as interesting as possible but if you know people are into it that's cool too so you can let me know on the Facebook page, or actually we're trying to transition away from the Facebook page and into the website. Did I mention that? Did I already mention that? I can't even remember that we're porting. I think I did that we're porting the uh, website over to a new platform. Yeah, I mentioned that. My mind is gone. I've always had a bad memory, but it's just gets worse the older I get. Anyway, okay, I'm going to stop talking. Here is my interview with Mao Squaws. Please enjoy. Hello, Gina. Hello. Or Mao Squaws, I should say. Right. <laughs> Your artist name. Yes. But your given name, your birth Gina. name is Gina. Okay. So, yeah. Your friends call you Gina. Yes, they do. Okay. We're friends, right? Yeah, we're so, friends. So, I'll call you Gina. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm doing, doing good. Other than your, your car situation. Yeah, other than the dead car, everything's good. Yeah. yeah. How, long yeah. You, how long have you been in the, the States? Four years. Four years. Yeah. So, so you came here right when everything got shitty, pretty much. When <laughs> things started getting bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I live in a world where it doesn't affect me so much. So I still see America as kind of this wondrous place. Oh, yeah? Like there's still, yeah, I still like so many things here just totally blow my mind. So have you, did you, have you, had you been to the United States before you moved here? I had actually. Okay. Yeah, I'd been a few times and I always loved it. But, really? Um, I'd never been to LA and LA is kind of perfect place for me. Yeah. LA is a totally different trip than most of the United States. Oh I think. my God. It's just such a freak show. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You've been down to, I'm sure you've been to Hollywood Boulevard and seen that oh, ni nightmare down there. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. There's something about misery that attracts me. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would never guess that from your artwork. <laughs> I was actually driving around Hollywood Saturday um, with Christopher Ulrich, you know, Christopher. Yeah. He went with me to this Patreon convention, mm -hmm. little mini convention thing they had in Hollywood. And we were talking about how the, how, how it's such a crazy place, especially Hollywood. And it was a Saturday night. We were driving home. It's an insane place. It's so weird because it's so like, you know, there's these really bad areas, but people are out and there's like lights everywhere and, you know, really expensive cars and rich people and homeless people. And, and then like all these old homes and you get the sense still of old Hollywood, but it's kind of in yeah. the ghetto and, and there's like this yeah. old, you know, there's like a big old magical tradition, you know, like spiritualism mm -hmm. in Hollywood. And it's, it's such a trippy, weird kind of spiritual, but chaotic and fucked up place at the same time. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think about like, um, I don't know if you know much. I guess the Process Church. The process, oh yeah, yeah, right. You know they they had a big thing around here. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Manson got involved with it, and you yeah. know all that sort of stuff. So there's yeah, there's kind of that that old hippie, you know, um, kind of that lifestyle that was happening here, mixed in with money and movies and music right. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, and, up spiritual, like great spirituality, but then there's that darker side. To right. You yeah. kind of get a sense of it sometimes. It's, it's totally. Yeah, there's definitely a vibe here for sure. You know, yeah. especially when uh, just driving around in these old neighborhoods the other night, it was like you just get that, I don't know, this old Hollywood occult vibe. You can just kind yeah. of feel it. It's, a, it's weird. It's a weird place. But anyway, so, um, uh, but you like it here. I love it. <laughs> I love I love just looking at people. I love like I live in West Hollywood. Okay. Um right by the Grove, sort of near the Grove. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah, there's just just everyone's in the industry like you hear people doing industry calls and you know like talking about money and you know stuff like that yeah especially down by the grove it's really like that oh, like it's a yeah. bunch of <laughs> rich people exec yeah. movie executives and stuff yeah totally it's it's totally bizarre it's i just I, yeah no I it's, love it's interesting to watch it in a non-judgmental way because it's yeah. so weird yeah and yeah. i just think it's fantastic that people are doing things but on the other side of things i don't know like this sounds kind of awful but i've got so like this this attraction to um like i said like misery or you know that kind of thing so like you see somebody's paid for a bus stop you know for their acting career and they put all their headshots on the bus stop and all things. right and you know it just gives me the sense of oh no like they're gonna fail, <laughs> and but I sort of thrive off it, like that sort of that undercurrent of um of misery or or failure, Des desperation, or and yeah, so, yeah. So it's like uh, uh, you have like a fascination with it. Sounds like yeah, sort of mm -hmm. yeah. Like I've always liked um, you know the gross and the uncomfortable and the. The sad and 
just kind of, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I gather that from your, from your work. Um, <laughs> okay. So before we get into all that stuff, cause I definitely want to talk about your work cause I, I'm a huge fan of your work. You know, you know, I am cause I'm always telling you how great it is. Thank you. So original really to me. <laughs> it's so amazing. Um, so you're from Perth. Perth. Yeah. And did, were you born there? Yeah, I was born there. Okay. So what's Perth like? I, you know, we had another artist from Perth on here. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I think it was Perth. It was, I think, well, let me see. We had, uh, I'm spacing out. There's a guy from, we had an, uh, Sam B, who I think is, I think he's from New Zealand. And then, you know, to, to us Americans, New Zealand and Australia is almost the same thing. <laughs> but it's, it's not. I know it's not. But um, Chris Bolton, I think he was from Perth, I believe. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's beside the point. So what is it like there? Or what was it like growing up there? Um, it's got to be a lot different than L.A., it's, I'm sure. It's a lot different than L.A. I mean, it's it's kind of the mo- one of the most isolated cities in the world. Really? Yeah, well, because you got Australia, which mm. you know what Australia looks like, and then you got the East Coast, and everybody lives along the East Coast, mm. and then you got the whole half, which is the Western Australia, which is half of the country, and Perth's the only major city. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's Australia's huge. There's like huge ex- expanse expanses of nothingness, right? In Australia, yeah, in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Indigenous people um, and some other people kind of live there, but not really. Like, no, you can't really live there. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of inhabitable. Wow, trippy. Really <laughs> what, a, what a mysterious continent, really, when you think it's about a it. continent. Like, what's going on in the middle? I'll probably <laughs> all kinds of stuff's going on in the middle. That... You've seen um, Wolf Creek, Australian I ha- Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's great. It? You'll, you'll love it. It's great. <laughs> Great Australian psycho, and he used to be on um, on this little kid. The, the guy who plays he plays this vicious, like rapist, torturer, psychopath, killer. Um, but he used to be on this little kids show called Play School. This is a real story. What, no, no, no. Uh, well, it's it was based on a real story, but the actor. Right, right. Oh, I see. I see. Right. <laughs> yeah, he used to be on this little kids show called for like three-year-olds called play school you know and seeing it <laughs> and then he plays this uh, psycho but yeah it's a great movie but it's about driving across um central australia and their car breaks down oh, and wow. picks them up. Yeah. yeah yeah i've heard about that movie for a long time and i just haven't seen it i think yeah. because it's i don't know the older i get the less i'm i can handle the torture Torture, oh, really? torture porn kind of movies, you know, oh, just like yeah. the, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting wimpier in my old age for sure. <laughs> I used to, I used to be able to handle anything, <laughs> but now I'm a little more, I don't know, sensitive to that stuff, but I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Cause it is kind of fascinating. This, this idea I mean, of Australia being this huge kind of wasteland in the middle in mm-hmm. a way, which is well, why I love the, the road warrior when I was growing up. Oh yeah. Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, yeah, the, the, especially the the ro- the second one was like, you know, the Road Warrior was the big one. That was such a huge influence on me. That movie in, oh, yeah. in the eighties, yeah. Uh, very, very influential on my artwork. I think too. I, yeah, I could see that actually. Yeah, it r- really. Even the um, tones, 
of your album. Right. Yeah. And the backgrounds, but it's, it's, it wasn't something that I, um, it wasn't intentional, but looking back, I was like, Oh shit. I remember when I kind of rediscovered that movie, just, you know, as an adult, you watch these old movies that you used to watch. And I was like, wow, this movie was huge for me. Mm -hmm. It hit me right at the right time, like maybe 12 years old or something when it came out. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. It's strange when you see that in your artwork, like, Sometimes I, like, I'll go back and I'll think about my influences, but you're not conscious, consciously thinking of it when you're painting it. You're not. Right. But then you look at it and you go, oh, my God. Yeah, and, yeah. And like, oh, I forgot about that. I used to be yeah. into that. <laughs> you know, and it, it's, it's, it's like uh, art is kind of a way, you know, one of the things it is, I think, is a way of getting in touch with your subconscious, mm-hmm. you know, especially yeah, the right. kind of artwork that we're doing where it's you know, stream of consciousness type stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's funny to see what's going on in your subconscious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah often disturbing. <laughs> yeah. So were you, you, were you an art kid? Like a little art kid. kid? Yeah. I was a little, um, weird kid. Mm-hmm. I, um, I always loved, um, drawing a lot. My dad um, used to doodle these. He used to draw like sort of really crazy, fucked up little character, little characters like men with breasts and like just really cool <laughs> stuff like that. Um, just for fun, he would just do it for fun. Just for fun, yeah. He's always been kind of um, doing. He's always been doing things like that, and um, and but what really hooked me. Was Ren and Stimpy? Oh, I mean, yeah. So I was. Um, love Ren and Stimpy. I was, oh my god, I've, I still love Ren and Stimpy. But when I was a little kid, watching Ren and Stimpy, something you know those close-ups they do, and mm-hmm. it's you know um, very detailed and that's gorgeous. you know what this yeah. is so crazy. This is, I, I did it last week's episode was with Luke Chu. I don't know if you know if you know Luke. He's an artist. I know he's art. Yeah, he, he brought the same thing up. About how, how, how Ren and Stimpy was this huge influence and how whenever they would zoom into a, like a rendered frame, mm-hmm. like of his mouth with the teeth falling out, how it's, yeah, you know, yeah, there's yeah. like little all kinds of detail. He said the same thing. How crazy is that? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because it really it hit me. I was just like, that's what I want. That's, I don't know, it just hit me. That was the aesthetic. Like even as a little kid, it was like that that aesthetic of that really gross stuff right. hit me so hard but i think also um the backgrounds i don't know if you've ever noticed the backgrounds on ren and stimpy but it's like the old cartoons oh you know, yeah for sure like beautiful uh gouache paintings or mm-hmm. like color or whatever it is that they use i don't know but yeah and then the simple line drawings over the top it's it, yeah 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 i could i could see i could see the influence now that you mention it yeah. In your work. <laughs> so, I mean, what were you, what kind of artwork were you creating when you were a kid? Um, were you doing weird stuff even back then? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I think my mom still got a whole bunch of my drawings. Um, I mean, I used to do a lot of, um, like, because um, I, I was watching my dad draw. I remember my dad's kind of a, a nut job in a great way. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, um, he showed me how to draw a breast. 
when I was a kid because I, I wanted to draw like these weird little ghosts. They, they were sort of like these geometric things with like breasts and, and stuff like that. And <laughs> I remember him showing me how to draw one, like you put the line down and then the scoop underneath. <laughs> I don't know. So I used to kind of copy him a little bit, but then I don't know. I have this drawing. My mum has it actually. And it's, I drew. I was probably about eight or nine years old and I drew this haggard, old-looking um, sort of trash woman in, an, in like a midriff top smoking a cigarette. Wow. She was, she was like really haggard and then I wrote on her shirt, once was. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what age was this? I was about nine. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of sophisticated for a nine-year-old. Nine I, I, I don't know about that, but I just, I don't know. I, mean, I guess I, I always depravity or that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's interesting. So mm -hmm. were you, uh, what, what was the feedback from your teachers and stuff? Did you ever, did people notice that you were drawing weird stuff? as a little kid or? Yeah. I mean, I used to draw like at, at school, like in elementary school, we always had like, they, they'd sort of tell you what to draw, you know what I mean? Um, oh, right. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, the feedback was kind of positive. I got, I don't know. That was always something I was okay at at school. Like I, I always, art's kind of the only thing I'm, I'm okay at. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, it, you, you followed the rules in art class, kind well, of. You not, didn't didn't do really. any freaky stuff, or. Well, I sort of did freaky stuff, I guess, but like you know, like you had to do. I don't know. They were always. I never. I never had any teachers be weird about it. They were always really encouraging about it. Oh, good. That's good. Well, Australia yeah. is pretty open, kind of liberal, isn't it? Sort of. Not as much as America. Really? Uh, yeah, seriously. Like, it's very strange because um, for an outsider, like, coming in, mm -hmm. like, it's really great to see how open and accepting a lot of people here are. Like, in Australia, it's sort of harder to find. I mean, I think it's getting better. Mm -hmm. I think it's getting more, um, more like that. But, yeah, um People are often surprised when I say that because, but yeah, see, it's not, it's not as, um, as progressive. Right. As an, as There's a lot of like religious conservatives in, in Australia, right? I mean, they're, I, I've heard I that mean, before. Like there's, yeah, there is. I mean, they run the country and, um, huh. and, um, but there's a lot of them everywhere. Right. And, you just kind of got to do your thing and get around them. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, that's funny. I just, I, I always, for some reason, think of Australia as kind of like a, I don't know, m mostly a progressive kind of country. But, I mean, yeah. I, but then again, you know, I have heard of. These little, depending on where you are in Australia, there's these like communities that are very conservative and religious, like Christian conservatives. Yes, definitely, but, but um, like you said, it's kind of everywhere, I guess. That way. Um, in Perth, there was like there's a really good little. I met I met some really great 
people in Perth. Like for such a small place, there was a really good little underground community of like music and art and people who are into the same sort of um, visual and, um, you know, and music as well sort of thing that I liked, which was um, nice to find there. Yeah. So there's a good little community of weirdos. It's just that there isn't a lot of places to um, to show your work. Like there's only you know there's only set little places where you can really show. Right. The stuff. Yeah. There's not a lot of galleries, I imagine. No. Show. You uh, have you, uh, you 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 haven't been showing very long, right? No. Yeah. So. so um, yeah, that's interesting. Because I, I'm when I first saw your work, it seemed to me like you must have been showing for a while because it was pretty refined oh, and all there. Um, I mean, I in Perth, like I did some solo shows. They weren't at like major galleries or anything, but that that was the only show experience I had was just like um, little solos in Perth. What, so, yeah. What what what? Did, how did people like the work? And they liked it. But you were showing to your crowd, though. Well, yeah. Um, it wasn't all. I mean, some uh, outsiders liked it. I sold it all. Oh wow, that's so, great. Yeah, not like not like sellouts on the night or anything, but like eventually, like right. the, tr- the trickle down. Mm-hmm. I'm getting rid of. And I think I actually gave my mum a couple of paintings. She's got these horrific paintings up in her house. <laughs> Which mums, my mum's my biggest fan. It's very sweet. Yeah, that's how my parents were too. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, they always thought my stuff was hilarious for some reason. Yeah. They always thought it was. They cracked them up. But they're like my biggest fans too. It's so funny. That's cool. Cool parents. Yeah. You know. So um, okay, so. W- w- what were you what were you doing in in Perth like to make a living and su- oh. how were you supporting yourself and 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 uh i mean were you supporting yourself with your art and then oh no 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 uh, yeah um i i was uh working in a record store mm-hmm. i worked in record stores for a while but um i i ended up at this one little record store and so i was pretty much managing that mm. um which was a lot of fun um i love music and yeah it seems like it would be a pretty cool job it was a great i mean the record store itself like i sort of was able to get in a lot of things um you know obscure things right. and then listen to them there and stuff like that you know and it was attached to a, a fashion shop it was like a clothes shop in the back and then record store in the front mm-hmm and a lot of the time, the people in the in the clothes place would complain about the music I put on, but it was, <laughs> it's a record store. Well, this because I want to hear something they right. haven't heard. They don't want to come in and hear the whatever they hear on the radio every day. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a good good time to get this out of the way because in case people didn't, you you have been on the show, but it was like a ten minute interview on the uh, on the Dark Art Society group show podcast where I, I recorded live from the show and we did go over your net your artist name but just for mm-hmm. people who haven't heard that episode oh yeah mouse squaws mm-hmm. is your artist name yes and you got that from a mr bungle song i did get it from a mr bungle song. okay so um 
you definitely like some fucked up music for sure then it sounds like oh yeah i mean that was a that was when i was a kid mr bungle just seemed so out there it's and still insane i mean when you listen it still holds up as insane music yeah and i mean and that it, it sort of opened up this doorway in my adult life where i found some music that's a a lot more disturbing and insane <laughs> <laughs> What's more disturbing and insane than Mr. Bungle? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, like, um, you know, throbbing. Have you heard throbbing gristle? Oh yeah. 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 Like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, that's um, insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just, um, some, you know, coil stuff right. like that. Um, you know, the undercurrent, the, and the, you know, the, the throbbing gristle of this song slug bait. <laughs> I don't know if I should repeat what it's about on a radio show, but it's, it's a, a vicious um, murder. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Slug bait. Slug bait. By who? Throbbing Gristle. Oh, by Throbbing Gristle. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw um, uh, Genesis P. Orridge uh, uh, do Psychic TV. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, great. How yeah, was it? It was amazing. Um, yeah. It was in- I- yeah. Yeah, I was in LA and I was with my friend and it was on Easter. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was Easter night and uh we 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 took ecstasy and it was ama- <laughs> it was amazing and oh, they're amazing. <laughs> they're playing it was and it was so loud and so abrasive and they were and he was playing um on TV screens. Mm-hmm. It they were playing um uh, Holy Mountain you know that movie Holy oh, Mountain? Yeah, yeah. I love yeah these clip like clips yeah. from it, and it was just like so crazy and mind blowing. <laughs> like some, I forget which club it was on. Some weird little downtown LA club. Yeah, that was a pretty amazing night. But yeah. um, <laughs> so okay, uh, did you? I mean. Did you want to come to America for a while or, or, or yeah. was this I mean, a goal of yours? It was. Uh, I mean, I always – it's funny. Um, I wrote this list when I was a kid. Sorry, hold on. Just grab some water. Yeah, no problem. Um, I For school or something, I had to write this list of goals when I was a kid, and it's really funny because, <laughs> it, it, like, my goals were – to live in America, to be an artist, and to have a cat or something like that, which is all <laughs> what happened. Um, That's cool. So, I, yeah, I guess I've always longed to be here, but um, when I met Kevin, I guess it just kind of worked out as well. Yeah, so how did you get here? How did this, how did this work out? Tell us about this. Um, well, I met my husband um, on Facebook, um, Kevin Rootmanis, and we. Uh, and Kevin it, is. Kevin for people, for people who don't know his background, his history. Oh uh, yeah, so he he played in the Cows. He played it with the Melvins a, little, a long time, and he played in Tomahawk. Um, and yeah, he saw one of my paintings I did of a mutual friend of ours, Thomas Tom Hazelmeyer. Mm-hmm. Who owns Amrep? I don't know if you know the Amrep label. Yeah. Uh, um, 
uh, Minneapolis punk label. Okay. That started in the eighties. Um, but I did a painting of him. We were friends online because he liked my art or whatever. And I did a painting of Tom and Kevin saw it and then messaged me. And then, I don't know, we started talking, we started sharing music and art and we, you know, found out we really liked each other. And we met, we met up in Japan, um, to meet and now, and then I, we got married and now I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. He's a super cool guy. He was He's great. Yeah, super, super cool, funny dude. He was uh he, he's uh, he was at the show. He's a character. Yeah, he's a character. He, he's, he's definitely a character. He's kind of the most one of the most interesting people I've ever met. <laughs> <He> totally. <laughs> totally. Um but really very nice though. He was oh, yeah, really got a, a good energy about him, I felt. Yeah. I really totally. liked him. Yeah. It's it's nice sharing your life with a fellow weirdo like um, right. <laughs> you know somebody you just completely come. I don't have to hide any of my <laughs> <laughs> your weirdness. <laughs> yes, yeah, we just yeah, it's really great. So you okay? So four years ago, you 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 uh, are around there. You uh, sorry. Wait, listen. Can you hear that? Listen. What is that? That him snoring? Yeah, my dog snoring. Oh, dude. I love it when animals snore. I know it's so dude. cute. My anyway. cat snores like a little pig. I know it's, it's great. It's it's a feature of the Dark Art Society podcast is my dog snoring from time to time. <laughs> but I like to remind people that it's you know I don't want them to get the wrong idea that it's who knows what noises that is <laughs> in the background. But um. Okay, so you uh, uh, you met Kevin, you guys got married, and then you came out here four years ago, mm-hmm. and um, and then did you start sh- showing work right away? Did you have? I, I guess what I'm curious about is 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 in regards to your art. Did you have? I mean, a lot of that the artwork that you show online is this like fully formed four years ago? Where you at? Where you're at? Like the stuff you're doing now with this kind of meat and mouth open all wide and the lips and the guts. It's, it's, is this <laughs> something that, that was, um, for your artistically formed at that point? Um, that all sort of, I mean, it was sort of building up to it. Um, but the mouths, I mean, so it was similar, but not specifically what you're doing. No, right it's now. kind of gotten more. Uh, for some violence, <laughs> I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I always thought, you know, back I used to um, when I worked in the film industry, you know, mm-hmm. we had to sculpt a lot. I was a sculptor primarily, and a painter and makeup artist. <clears throat> and one aspect of that was gore, you know, yeah. creating realistic gore. So there was always autopsy books. Books like uh, forensic books, people have been killed. And when you get past the horrific circumstances, the, 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 but, and just looked at kind of like the, the beauty of the the guts and viscera, it's like, I always thought it was just so, even the color of, this sounds creepy, but even the color of a, (laughs) of like a dead body. <clears throat> decaying oh, 
Totally. Just, um, like these crazy colors and the veining, and it, it's oh, it's yeah. got this weird beauty to it. I think so too. You know, and it's really <laughs> fascinating. And so I've, you know, since I first saw that kind of stuff in, in the 80s when I was just starting the business, I've always been fascinated and interested with the, just the way that stuff looks. I guess mm-hmm. just part of the reason I'm such a fan of your work is that you paint the viscera so beautifully and oh, thank you. <laughs> realistically. I really love it. Yeah, and it's it's so weird. It's 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 weird. It's just weird because, you know, you're probably the same way as me. It's like you know, you hate to see anyone suffer, you hate to see animals yeah. suffer and but but the but when you when you get past the tragedy part and kind of look at look at the look at this stuff objectively, it really is there's this yeah, the the guts are just beautiful in a weird way. There's all these blue tones, these, right. like, these blues and reds, and um, just um, it's it's shiny and. <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> I mean, on this on the subject of like, I'm a vegetarian. I got right. raised vegetarian. Yeah, me so, too. I've been since the '80s. Yeah, and but on the subject of like, like I love animals, but I love. Um, dead animals <laughs> as well. <laughs> well, it's like you can see, I th- you know, one time I, I, there was some interview I, I read with uh, Maynard from Tool talking mm-hmm. about the, the, like, death having a poetic quality. And mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting because, yeah. you know, death is, is, you know, terrible. You know, if you're a feeling human being, it's sad and and awful, but but there is this poet poetic quality to it, and and there is a poetic quality to dead things as well, and and exactly. you know like the way things, there's something about it that's just I don't know. It's like I like I like it because it's you. I sort of you no longer feel attached to it because it's sort of lost its essence. Mm-hmm. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. It's lost its essence and it's become this thing. So like. My mum always, I was living with my mum briefly before I moved to America and I'd, I'd buy pig's hearts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, she's such a vegan and a person and I'd put them in the freezer and she's like, she was so bummed about it. Like, oh, the hearts. And then I'd be in the bedroom like and there'd be just gore everywhere. Like um, I, uh, one, do you know that white painting that I had in, um, the first show. The one that sold? Yeah, the one that sold. Mm-hmm. The, my model for that, I took bits of meat, like organs. I went to the butcher and bought all these organs and, like, strapped them to him. And oh, um, really? So the house is covered in blood and everything like that. I think I've gone on a bit of a tangent here. But <laughs> no, that's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just like, yeah, it's it's like once it's gone, it's, it's lost its essence, but there's still something incredibly fascinating in looking at how things stay alive, like all these little, it's like a universe. Right. It's like a little universe inside a, um, inside a body and that's all, and it's shut down and it's gone and everything like that. And it, and it rots away. Yeah, it's very it's, strange. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It Life is just so weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's so weird, but it's so, it's kind of great. Like, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's magical, really. You know. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting that when you look at that stuff objectively, it really is. It's as beautiful as as what we can no- normally consider beautiful, like yeah, a- outer beauty or whatever. It's it's beautiful in its own way. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's it's when I think about like the 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 insides of a body and the bone bone structure, mm-hmm. it's it, it just completely. I, blows my mind. I can't even <laughs> comprehend. It's so amazing. This, this weird meat. Yeah. Organic meat robot. It's just, and it's also perfect the way it, you know, it fits together, but it's, it's, it's symmetrical, but it's also kind of like got asymmetry to it. And oh. it's just amazing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, I do. I do meditation, and I work a lot with a friend of mine um, who teaches yoga and does like these guided meditations. And she talks about the universe inside your body, like the way that the whole body operates. It's just, it's just doing this thing, right? It's like all the little cells, and I know, like, and we're just along for the ride, kind of. Yeah, and it's how you're just in this. Yeah, big sack of meat. You're right, like a meat <laughs> brain, and it's <laughs> crazy. Is that uh, Mackie? Is it, you're talking about? Yeah, that was Mackie. Yeah, yeah, Mackie's yeah. awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. And that's how we met. Yeah, through Mackie. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I know. If I was closer, I would be doing her her yoga classes. If I lived closer, for sure. Oh yeah, they're they're so good. Those are the she does it. Um, on the full moon every month. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, didn't, like, I didn't realize she was into the spiritual aspect of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah, and I mean, it's I I do it. Um, it's great for anxiety mm-hmm. and everything. Like it just totally. Oh yeah. It's relaxation. It's not like heavy duty like workout yoga. It's like it's to reset and. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's a really good one. That's heavy, cool. Do make it out there. It's really worth it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I medit- I've i been meditating all my life, kind of off and on. I always fall off mm-hmm. the wagon, but um, mm-hmm. the last few years I've gotten heavily into it again. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I always do better when I'm meditating. Everything, oh, totally. You know, it's my es- life. <laughs> essential, really. Yeah, it's essential. So. That's cool. <clears throat> yeah, Mackie's great. She's such a great artist and very um hard-working person yeah yeah very inspiring i like i like being around hard-working people it makes me want to work harder right. yeah yeah and she's just super nice too oh yeah she's great um yeah i, I have that book that i gotta get her all the stuff for this book my book that i'm doing that's three years late oh <laughs> <sighs> I get every she's like Chet wanted me to do a book for him. <laughs> yeah, and I at the show I talked to her. I'm like, it's coming soon. I'm getting. I'm almost done with everything, but it's just so. Every time I get going on it, I have to pay a bunch of bills, and and then I have to stop and start working on other stuff to bring money in. It's just been this kind of nightmare. So I just once I get everything to her, I know she's just going to make this book amazing. Yeah, her stuff is always just amazing, amazing. It's like I don't want to. I don't want to work with anybody else. I just want to have her do any it's kind of worth, stuff like that. She's just so good at it. And she yeah. 
amazing. She it too. Like she gets your artwork and yeah, right. She's yeah. not going to do anything weird. She's totally going to make right. it like your vibe. She stated actually her and Buzz um, commissioned me to do a painting when I first started painting. Oh, really? Yeah. I painted this witch with a knife, like oh. a witch holding a butcher knife. It's, it's yeah. Uh, I wonder if it's at their house. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I've got that all through there. Yeah, house. right. It's kind yeah. of small, I think. Mm-hmm. But that was that was really cool because you know when you get a, com- I think it might have been my first commission, really. Oh, yeah, great. yeah. So it's exciting when you get a commission <laughs> for yeah. the first time. It is. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of history there. Um. So okay, mm-hmm. you 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 came here. What have you been doing the the before you started, I mean, you haven't really been showing at, at Copro. Is 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 this the first place you've shown in the U.S. Copro the, at that show? Yeah, that was the first place I'd shown. That's so cool. Except, um, wait, uh, I did. No, that was the first place I'd shown. I did like a little online thing with this uh, art blog. Wow, wow, X, wow. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know yeah, them. They had me do something there. And the only other thing I've done here, like I've done, I've been doing like little commissions for people. I do mm. a lot of work for Kevin's album covers and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I did, somebody, I got paid. <laughs> this is crazy. It was a great gig. Um, I got paid by this company who were putting on a convention for um, emergency doctors so it was a medical convention in vegas and they wanted somebody to do live painting there wow (laughs) what a trip they paid for me to fly out to vegas stay in this fancy hotel and paint for three days and they just wanted me to paint um like he had a look at my work and he's like can you do something a little a little more less conservative yeah yeah like and i was like cool yeah i could do like a heart with some hands, you know, like right. you know, right. something that, that that people would um, be able to look at, and um, that was great. It was it was so I did that as well. That was a lot of fun, and and I mean they paid me well, and that's great. <laughs> it was a totally weird experience with and a bunch of doctors I, around looking, watching oh, you paint. <laughs> a total opposite mind brain mind to the artist. I feel a bit similar in a way, but it's sort mm-hmm. of they're very. Uh, scientific and ro- not robotic, I shouldn't say that, but, they, you know, you mean. I understand all this stuff that just is beyond my c- comprehension. But um, but what you're doing, I'm sure, is like that to them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know, know. yeah, it's, yes. It's a different way of thinking about things. Yeah. And when I was painting, because um, I was painting out in the lobby, so they go in and have these conferences, and because it was about emergency services, they were like, I could – there was a big screen where I could see what they were showing everybody and it was gnarly because they're talking about all this, like they had footage of surgery, like full-on surgery playing and it was things like impalings. Oh, like my this God. Guy had shot himself in the neck with a crossbow and it was, and he was conscious oh and they were finding it out. And so I was watching these videos. It was nuts. But they just talk about it so blasé and they're just like, and people are laughing and, you know, they're making <laughs> medical jokes. But there was like impalings and um, all sorts of um, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, if you're around that stuff every day and that's your job, 
than yeah. you. It's become so normal. So yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow. Were you nervous to, to be painting live? Have you, had you, had you done that before? I'd never done it before. Um, and I don't know about you, but it's, it takes me a really long time to complete painting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The time. Like I'm not, I'm not a fast worker. Right. The watercolors kind of go faster, but with, with acrylic paintings, um, yeah, they take me a while. So, but I had to have it finished in three days. Wow. And you, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Wow. <laughs> and, and, um, yeah. So that was kind of nerve wracking, but, I, I don't know, I, I got some good advice that, like, because I get stuck in a perfectionist mm -hmm. cycle, which sucks because, you know, I paint I paint a lot from using photos and then I'll try and get try and get it as realistic as possible. But, like, I got some great advice um, from Mackie, actually. She said, um, just do it. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, just, like, People are going to see, like, you just paint what you see. You don't have to get every single hair, you right. know, sort of stuff. And it, it's just, so to me it looked um, it looked kind of messier than usual, but I guess it still came across as effective because people really liked it. Right. So, you know, I guess, you know, you're always the one that's picking apart, like, all the little mistakes in your own paintings, but other people don't really see it. So Yeah, that's... That's a, I've talked about this on the show too, that we, we see our artwork differently than anybody else in the world. Like mm -hmm. we, we have a different, it looks different to us than it does anybody else. And that's something that only, only we can have that relationship with our work. Yes. It, because we've, you know, we know every section of the painting we're working on mm -hmm. and everybody else sees it with fresh eyes or even if they've watched it happen, through a live painting event or through progress shots on social media or something, still it's never going to look the same to them because we have this uh, history with it as, yeah, it's, really. as we're creating it. And it's like we have this intimate relationship with the artwork. So it's, you'll, and it's like, we'll never be able to see it the way they see it either, which is totally no. weird. So it's like, we're kind of flying blind in a way, yeah. you know, we're going, this is what I think looks good. Hopefully you're seeing it somewhat like I'm seeing it, but I know that you're not really, but hopefully it still works for you. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's a weird thing. It is. Yeah, it's totally weird. And I find the, the emotional intensity of getting attached to that painting can be so destructive, mm. productive, you know, like, I don't know, like there's a lot of uh, emotional weight behind my paintings. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't know. It's it's something that I I kind of have to do in order to stay sane. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get all that crap out some way. Yeah, um, yeah. Um. So yeah, like it could be it could be really. I don't know. I fi I find that emotional attachment to it can be kind of a struggle, but getting past any sort of perfectionism or or judgment and just like letting it flow and happen mm -hmm. is something starting to come a little bit more naturally to me i think do, do you have trouble parting with the work when it's finished or are you more talking about the connection of oh no realizing no. the thing 
Yeah, more realizing it. No, there's no, no, I don't want it. Right. <laughs> I feel the same way too. It's like. Yeah, I don't, I don't want this. It's I'm like, to- totally satisfied with it. I love it. I love the pro, but it's, it's, it's the process. That's, yeah. It's that's, the process. That's the point to me. And it sounds like to you too. And once it's done, it's like, I don't feel the desire to, to look at it all the time and no. stare at it all the time. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just like vomiting. It's just like you just want to vomit it out. Right. Get rid of it. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? It's just like this is, yeah, it's kind of like this. But I, I know a lot of artists, though, that, that are really don't like to sell their work. Like they feel this, like they want they want to keep it because it feels oh, really? like part of themselves, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I get that in a way, but I, I don't know. I guess that for me personally, yeah, I don't, I don't need to keep looking at it i just i feel no yeah you want to paint another one right uh, yeah that's how it is with me it's like (laughs) sell it so i can paint another one you know what and all often halfway through a painting i'll want or i'll want to paint another one right i'll be like oh i'm sick of this (laughs) i've got another idea or like this isn't working or you know but i i just push through and then finish it yeah i try and i'd I I I'd, I'd be completely overwhelmed if I have more than one painting going at once. Oh, you so, oh really? You only have one at a time? Well, maybe one at a time with some. <clears throat> excuse me. Have Sorry. some water. Because I I always have, I always have. I mean, in my studio now, I've got a ton of painting. Like I always, I like to have um, a lot of paintings going because. If I like, if I do get to that point where I'm like, "Fuck this," I don't, I'm not. I'm sick of painting on this. I can put it aside, but I still want to keep painting. I could work on another one. Yeah, you know. But yeah. I do. I I know. I know other artists though that feel like you do, where it's they have to kind of finish one painting. Yeah. Or it bothers them. Yeah. Well, you know, just talking to you right now and just thinking, I shouldn't do that. Like, I feel like <clears throat> it's putting unnecessary pressure on myself. Right. And maybe going to produce something that's not going to be as reflective, or maybe it'll produce frustration or something, which might be good, I guess. Like, <laughs> but um, on the other hand, like, yeah, I don't know. You just made me sort of realize that it would be good to have more than one thing going at once. Yeah, and I guess I sometimes go off and will try doing a drawing or something like that. Oh, hold on, my dog. Oh, I got to get a picture of that. Hold on. What a cutie. What's your dog's name? This is Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> He's a funny one. <laughs> you he got is, him? He is cute. Yes, there we go. That's it. <clears throat> oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I guess what okay, I guess what I was thinking about before is just like Yeah, I guess it's all pressure I put on myself. I think right. that's yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's like, um, it's mostly a workflow issue. It's, you know, if it's my dog coughing. <laughs> is that what that was? <laughs> is it, is, is he an old dog? He's, yeah, he's 13. Oh, wow. He, he often makes these awful guttural noises. Yes. I've had, so I've, had that, I've had chihuahuas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So what were you saying? It was like oh, a 
Yeah, it's like I, I'm I'm more productive when I have a lot of pieces. Like I can get more done mm-hmm. if I have a bunch of pieces I'm working on at the same time. But and also I I like the option of you know being able to put one aside. Although it's not always an option if you're on a deadline. You know, yeah. you, you kind of do have to finish it. But um, just personally, especially if I'm doing a solo show, um, I like to paint all the underpaintings mm-hmm. for for some reason. It's like, if I see progress on all of them, it's not so daunting. Yeah. Like if I paint one, like if I have to do 15 paintings and then I paint one to completion, I'm like, Oh, that feels good. But I haven't even started any of the other ones, you know? So, yeah. so I do like all the underpaintings or I, I get all the, all the ideas done and design the paintings designed with a sketch. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do all the underpaintings and then I'll do like uh, my initial first sitting to block in all the color. And I, I do that with all of them. And, wow. then I, and then I keep going and kind of, and then it, it gets to a point where I'm like, Oh, I really want to work on that one for a longer time. So I'll focus on this one for a bit. But, uh-huh. but I, I like working that way just because like I said, if to me, it's overwhelming to, to have to do a lot of paintings like that. Yeah. So to have them all kind of be getting, uh, progressing all at the same time, it makes me feel, I don't know. It's like a, security blanket in a way like okay I can I can manage this because I see progress over here and here you know what I mean well I I admire that like I don't don't know if I could do that it's 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 more you know what it's more assembly line in a way though yeah I mean it's not like pure expression boom I'm in the moment I'm getting it out I'm doing it until it's done that's kind of like a different trip I suppose it's it's more (laughs) it's more methodical yeah, I get it. But yeah. you've been doing it for a long time as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like, um, I could see that that would be really good in a in a production sense because I think you have to be smart in that sense as yeah. well. I yeah. think that that's something that's very important. Yeah. Like, that, that, oh, that, no, no. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I was just going to say that's um, also at this stage because I've been painting. I started in two two thousand. It's like oh, when, yeah. when I was like. I'm going to be a painter. And then I took a few years and taught myself how to paint and started showing like, I think 2002, I, sh- I showed some pieces and I was doing digital stuff, but like around 2005 is when I started getting serious about it. Mm-hmm. So it's been like 15 ish years. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> at this point, <clears throat> having all that painting experience, part of the fun for me is, being methodical about it, you know, because I've done all the, like, just not thought about really what I was doing and, and, and not, you know, feeling my way through it and just kind of going for the more emotional angle. But at at this point, I've just, I've done so many paintings that it's like, it's a new game to play, to try and do a painting really efficiently yeah. You know what I mean? And and yeah, totally. Kind of quickly and efficiently with the least amount of effort. Not that I not I love painting, but it's like least amount of like correcting mistakes. Yeah. You know, that's part of the at this point in my career that's fun for me. You know what I mean? That's great. I think I yeah, I admire that as well because um I think yeah, it does get it it would get to that point for sure. Cause it's like the whole painting thing is like a game you're playing really. Yeah. 
music. It's like a, pu- a puzzle game. Side of it. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Do you mean like the business side of well, it? Well, yeah, that's a game. I mean, when you look at it like that, everything is a game in yeah. life. Life is a big game. But but mm-hmm. I, I was thinking more like the uh, the you know the the I've talked about this before with Mike, the guy who used to host the podcast with me on here. Um, it's like painting is like a puzzle game. It's like sitting down to try and figure out a puzzle. That's the fun is like, okay, I want to realize this image in a, in a certain way. So how do I do that? And then you, you kind of know how to do it, but with painting, it's so, you know, things could change all the time and it doesn't look the way you imagined. And so it's like this, it's a game. It's like a puzzle to me. It seems like a puzzle game. You're trying to figure this puzzle out. And then when you do the, to win the game, you you have a good painting in the end. Yeah. That's how you win the game. So every painting is kind of like you're playing this game. Yeah, definitely. You know? It can be really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And some of really them are game sometimes. And yeah, and that's what's that's what makes it keeps it interesting after paint yeah. you know, painting for years and years and why you can do it, I think, a whole lifetime is because it's hard. <laughs> you know, it's not easy to do. And that keeps it as as good as you get there's always that one painting that just kicks your ass. And so there's always that kind of like that wild card in there. Cause mm-hmm. you know how it goes, a painting you think, Oh, I got this. This is going to be not or an easy one. I can totally do this. And mm-hmm. then it's not, you know, and it drives you insane. <laughs> yes. That, that one I had in, um, in the Copro show, the, the, the one at the first show, I keep forgetting what that show was called. It was the uh, Conjoined. Conjoined, conjoined yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been working on that painting for four years. Oh, my God. Wow. So that one was a nightmare for me. <laughs> it was a total nightmare. Wow. Yeah, but, that's a lot. That's that's takes perseverance to, to work that long on something. That's kind of oh, amazing. Yeah, doing, like, I gave up on it so many times. I was right. like, fuck this. <laughs> you know, I, I actually brought that one over. I started it in Australia and brought it over to the US and finished it here. Wow. Yeah. So it was, yeah, that one was an asshole. <laughs> I was glad to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. It's such a feeling of triumph with a painting yeah. like that, too. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, now get out of my life forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bitch, I'm done with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I would never know that, though. I mean, you, it, it, you pulled it off like, you know, it didn't look like you had trouble with it. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, you know, so, some you can I could. Well, I guess it's that's it's because I am that outside perspective that you don't mm-hmm. have, you know, but I can see paintings of mine that were a struggle and how they're different. <clears throat> they're a little bit different, like they're overworked maybe, or I feel they're overworked because I, I couldn't get it. But most other people, I don't think see that. I've, I've never looked at one of your paintings and thought that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so what do you, what are you doing now? I mean, what, what are you, uh, do you have a plan for your art career or are you just kind of painting and seeing where things go and following well, your nose and all that? Yeah, sort of. I mean, I'm, it was really good meeting all you guys because um, I'm kind I'm kind of not very good at the business side of things. Mm. I'm, I'm pretty shy. 
And so emailing galleries and doing stuff like that is really new to me. Mm. So meeting a lot of people in the dark art society thing, um, I was able to listen to what they're doing and stuff like that. And, um, you know, uh, George. Um, Dos Diablos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, he's been sending me a couple of things like to to enter in a show or oh, stuff. Oh, good. Like, which has been really helpful. I'm so grateful for that. Oh, like, yeah. He's, George is amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's he's so amazing. I just stare at those paintings so much. Those oh my I know he just, he keeps posting them new ones. I know, and they're all fucking amazing. I'm like, when's he gonna have a clinker? <laughs> I know. It's like, come on, give me one, give me one clinker to make me feel better about myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know things like that. So I mean, I'm I'm working on a painting now um, for a show. It's it's just a, a a call like it's a call for artists. So I'm just going to enter this painting into the show for the um, La Luz de Jesus. Gallery. Oh, La, uh, La Luz de Jesus. This, yeah, that's La Luz it. De, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at Waco. They're, um, yeah, they're the yeah. they're kind of the ones that started the whole Billy Shire who opened that place. They started this whole mm-hmm. low, the low art scene. Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to look at all those paintings in juxtapose mm-hmm. and and stuff like that so um yeah so i guess i was gonna see i'm just gonna enter one in there and see so i'm working on that that's my second oil painting (laughs) i'm trying to do another oil painting yeah so what do you think what do you think of the oils i love it like i could see i could see how um versatile and amazing they could be they really can like I love acrylic, like I've worked with it for ages. And I, I think watercolour, because water, the way I use watercolour, I sort of use it like an oil paint, like I use it really thick. Oh, wow. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff, but it's really easy to manipulate, which is really fun. Yeah, that tripped me out. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that tripped me out to find out that your work was, you know, it was, was it mostly watercolour or watercolour and acrylic? You were doing both equally or...? I just assumed it was oil because it looked like oil to me. And watercolor is really, I found, I think it's the hardest oh, me- really? medium to work in. Yeah. I've always been like, I've tried and, and it's, I never clicked with me. I've never been very good at it. You, I don't know. I think you kind of approach it like the water is the medium. And so you're thickening it up. Mm-hmm. How you want. Like it doesn't have to be all washy. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> really manipulate it like uh it's just tiny and <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun but yeah the, I, I mean i've been doing the ones i had in the show recently one was watercolor and the other one was the oil painting oh, okay um, but yeah. yeah i think that sort of prepped me for oil right but um i'm still really i feel like i'm i'm sort of struggling along and <laughs> yeah. um What's the what what issues are you having with oil? Is it the drying time? Because that's the ma- like, that's the major difference. Yeah, I think it's the drying time, and I like to like I like to fixate on a spot. Mm. I I'm a spot like I fixate on a particular spot. Like I, I I do I'm not very good at like doing layer and then another layer. Right. 
another layer is, and then fine tuning it. Like I want to, I end up fine tuning a spot and fine tuning another spot and that sort of thing. So I think with the oils, because they don't dry like acrylics and I'm doing, because I taught myself how to use acrylics. Um, so I'm doing it sort of the way I did that, but then it gets a bit muddy. Right. And, yeah. yeah. There's the, there's the mud aspect of painting, yeah. painting wet into wet. Yeah. You know. And I, just got to get more patient and just work on on doing more layer like work on my layer mind because my mind doesn't operate like that right. like, like yeah i'm really into like focusing on a shape and then making it smaller and smaller and smaller right or detail you know that sort of thing so i think that's the biggest struggle with it right well there, i mean there's do you do like okay for example if you're painting I keep bumping this fucking, I got to get a new pop, pop screen. This thing keeps giving me trouble. Um, I, uh, I was watching this painting video the other day of, of John Singer Sargent painting technique, the way he painted a face. Yeah. And it's like he would mass in like the whole thing, like a big flesh blob for the face. And then uh, in paint into that, this kind of red, and mm -hmm. it's painting into the paint. And then there's other people I've seen like Sean Barber who kind of have things laid out and they'll go like, they'll paint the shadow, almost like a paint by numbers. They'll paint the shadow color mm -hmm. then they'll paint the next one right next to it on this yeah. white canvas. And then mm -hmm. they'll paint the lighter color next to it. So it's these, you know, grades right. of, of yeah. shading. And I'm more of like, I paint and then I keep painting on top of it and mixing it in. And that's when you have to worry about the, I think the, the muddy, you have to watch out for the muddiness and make, yeah. make the muddiness work for you, mm -hmm. you know, but if you have things like in, do you know what I'm talking about? Like laying colors next to each other, different tones. Exactly. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you paint <coughs> or how, how are you doing it with the oils? Uh, so uh, I sort of, um, I'm trying to think. I sort of get like, so I'm trying to do like monochrome reds for this one. Mm -hmm. So red tones. Um, so I do the outline. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do in the outline of all the things. And then I'll, I'll hone in on a spot. And I'll start, and I and I go with little shapes. So like, what whatever I'm looking at, because I used a lot of photo references. Mm -hmm. like, um, uh, so I hone in on the little shapes. So I'll hone in on like the bigger shape of the eye, and then like paint that, and then hone in on like the tiny little shapes that make up all those spots of color. So say like a little bit of orangey red in the corner of the mm -hmm. eye, and then so I'll get all that done in one layer. And then I'll go in and get the next layer of detail and then the next and then the white. Right. And, you know, that sort of thing. And I'll do that spot by spot by spot. That's a trip. Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're, I mean, it makes sense because that, I, I could see that technique working a lot more easily with acrylic or yeah, things exactly. that dry faster because you can go and layer immediately. Yeah, see, that's that's what I've got to separate myself. That's what I'm learning to do with the oils is I've got to, because that's how I've always worked. Right. I, I don't know. I didn't go to art school or anything, so I don't know. Right, me either. 
yeah, <laughs> it's just all about watching and learning. So I think what I have to do is learn to paint more layer-wise. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen this guy, um, Heinrich Alden, Alderlin. No, I don't think so. How do you spell? How do you spell that? H e n r i k a then space uh-huh. a then space u l d a l e n. Let me see. Oh yes, I have seen this guy. I follow. Yeah, but he puts up works in like things he does. Yeah. These- paintings and he just like fucking smears the oil on there and it's the perfect skin tone and yeah, then it's crazy flat. Wow, wow these are big paintings too yeah and wow. i mean just i love the the way he uses paint it's just yeah yeah so i'd be those and like try and get ideas from that but i'm i'm too like i've got to get my brain out of the meticulous mindset of getting every detail and get more open i think i think that's what i need right. to do. yeah well it's you know um it pushes you especially when, you're, when you learn a new a new medium it pushes you to you know uh grow as an artist and learn new techniques and then see if they work for you you know mm-hmm. and then if they don't you can you can always go back to what you were doing before and figure out how to how to do what you were doing before but that's yeah. for a long time I was trying to paint looser. Yeah. Even though I really like kind of I like tight detail and refinement yeah. and stuff. But for a while I, I I was I felt like I had to learn how to do that. And I finally did it in a painting. And oh. this painting of my dog, I painted it really loose and it looked right. And then then I kinda of, after that I was like, okay, I, I now I'm going back to the way I used to paint. And because I, it was more like I had to prove to myself that I was good enough to do that. Uh-huh. Like it was like a, a, a goal I was trying to reach, but, yeah. but then I was able to incorporate that style in my old way of painting. Oh yeah. You know? So, uh, it was really, really good for me to do. Um, yeah. but that, that's the, the way I, I paint kind of like all of the painting at once. At least I try to. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's yeah. because I, I was more like you before where I would focus on areas, not to completion, but I would focus more on little areas. But when I teach, I, I, I kind of like, okay, you got to do all the bullshit work first, which is block in the colors of the background, <laughs> block in the face, block in this, block in that. It looks like shit. And that's part of the problem is that you have to live with it looking like shit for a while. <laughs> But yeah, because <laughs> I want to get to the detail. I want it to look good. I want to satisfy my ego. Right. Or, or, or yeah. Or that, that <laughs> sense of accomplishment you get when you yeah. finish a little area. Yeah. It's like, you know? <laughs> it's, like it's like, it's totally psychological. Yeah. 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 I, I so get it. I so get it. Uh-huh. But um, that's the way I, I, I kind of do it now. Whereas I'm, I'm, I'm um, looking at the whole painting. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm keeping that in mind. It's sort of painting a layer over, you know, everything, every, every sitting. I yeah. mean, of course there's a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to work on just the figure part of the face here and not worry about the background because I have everything worked out enough. Uh, but still I, I try and do that. And it's a, it's a pretty good, if you can, you know, manage it, it's a pretty 
good way of working. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah, I'll try it. Something to try. Next, yeah. I suppose also, I don't, I just go into a piece. Like, I, I never do sketches or like right. loose stuff. Right. Like, sounds like, some, and I know it's something I should do, like, get, just do things that are loose. But I get that. Like, I just, it's you hard. know, <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Well, that's what I used to do when I first started. It was like I was super excited about painting. I just wanted to paint. So I would just paint. I'd have a rough idea in my head, not even a sketch, and I would just start painting. And that was working for me at first. But then I kept running into problems because I hadn't worked everything out. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, I have to, you know, the composition isn't, because I didn't even know composition principles or anything. I was yeah. like, yeah, if I'm it looks sure. good, it looks good. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like intuitively, I was kind of figuring it out on my own just by, I get a feeling naturally, I've always been able to have a feeling if something looks right or not, even though if I'm not sure why, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, yeah. So I, I, and I think a lot of artists are like that, have that kind of natural thing. Uh, but I, but I, I reached a point to where it was, it was holding me back because I would, I'd get to a place and something wasn't right. So I'd have to kind of change, I'd have to add something in order mm -hmm. to balance the composition out, which wasn't yeah. initially intended to be there, which worked for the paintings. I, w I was always able to make it work in the end, but kind of going back to what I'm saying, saying now about painting more efficiently, there's a certain point where I felt like I need to, okay, I have to start doing drawings and studies and mm -hmm. plan the thing out so that I can paint this more efficiently and more enjoyably. Cause I was not getting in these situations that make me pull my hair out because yeah. I didn't know what was wrong with it. And, but by now I do, I, if I don't do a study, I feel weird. Like I always do studies. Yeah. It's just so I can make sure that if it looks good, this big, you know, it's, and the colors are right. I know it's going to work blown up. Do you do drawing studies or do you do painting studies? I, I usually do a sketch and a study, mm -hmm. you know, um, I do like a thumbnail sketch. I don't really do a detailed sketch, just a little thumbnail to get the basic composition, like try and break it down into shapes Yeah, that look right. And then I, I, I do the study in a way that's like, I'm not worried about proper painting technique. I'm just sort of like, you know, it's like a practice run almost, Yeah. you know? And so then from that, I learned, okay, I'm going to probably use these colors. These worked in the study. So I'm going to oh. use these colors. And then it just, it, it was hard to, for me to do that because it's so different than the way I started. Yeah. Because I was more of an intuitive art, artist like you. I was just mm -hmm. doing it. Get it out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's fun and all. And, and it, you know, and it does lend a, a certain quality to artwork. I think that, you lose when you plant plan too much in mm -hmm. a way. So it's like, I kind of gave up a little bit of spontaneity for more efficiency and, you know, um, I guess efficiency is the word. Yeah. You know, but like a painter, like, you know, Bekshinsky. Yeah. He, as far as I know, from what I've, seen videos he would just like change his painting so much oh, really? like he had a, a, a as far Asia, as Jesus Christ. yeah as far as i yeah there's a couple videos if you look 
their old VHS videos of, of his process and the painting just changes so much, you know, and he does like a lot of little teeny brush strokes. Yeah, totally. And it, it kind of tripped me out because he'd have a, a little sketch he would start with, like a thumbnail, and then he'd paint these big ass paintings. And then you'd think, oh, wow, this looks amazing. And then you see it like dissolve into the next stage after a couple of days and it's just completely changed and he keeps building and building on it. And I mean, I kind of want to do that. I want to paint like that, but you have mm -hmm. to have, yeah, you can't be on a crazy time schedule painting like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. if you're painting I for a show and you got three months and a deadline, it's like, you have yeah. to kind of plan it out. You have to get it out. But, yeah. But it seems so fun to just paint and, oh, yeah. you know, have as much time as you need and just fuck around and because that was when real kind of magical things can happen. I think so. You know? Yeah. But I think, I think you're right. Like you could learn, like I could probably get a lot out of having that sort of more structured planning going into it. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's something to try. It's like, yeah. you know, you always got to try something new. Cause I'm just curious how that would affect your work because you know, <laughs> you have your works. It's so like unique and original and fully formed. Like you could keep painting the way you're painting now for your whole career, because it's like, you've got it figured out. You've got a style. It's really good. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't need uh, this. Is, I mean, in my opinion, it doesn't, it's not like, it, you know, it doesn't feel like you're a new, newer artist showing or anything it's like you got it all it's all there like oh. great amazing that's great that's great that you see that because i can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way i see it every you know everybody i know you know feels that same way about your work but oh. you know it, it'd be interesting to see having trying to change it up where it would yeah. take your work you know yeah definitely yeah i think i'll i'll i will do that like, yeah, you know, every artist has their own thing they got to go no, through. It sounds it sounds really because um, after hearing you talk about um, you doing that, it, it sounds like you had the same process in your brain as me a little right. bit about oh, yeah. that honing in thing. I think it'll really open up a lot more fluidity. Yeah, and, you know, like I need that flow. Sometimes I get really stuck, right. and frustrated and you know all that sort of thing and i think it'll really open up a flow you know what's great about having a study is that you have a like a map that you can look at yeah <laughs> you know what i mean because sometimes when you're just painting all you have is like the idea in your head and it's like yeah. sometimes you lose you lose your way and you're like i don't know i've been at the easel so many times and i'm like i don't know what to do with this but yeah. but but if you have a study you can go okay you know, and sort of, it's just a little edge. It's a little something to look at and go, okay, you know, squint at it a little bit. And, and then it just is it just having that little, that little tiny map, even if it's not totally polished and finished off or, or complete, it just helps to, to get you, I don't know. It helps to get you through the, the hard times where you get <laughs> stuck. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was like that with um, playing guitar. Like I was in bands and stuff. I used to play guitar and I hit a, 
hit a point where I couldn't get like I I could write music and I could play perfectly fine for what I was doing, mm-hmm. but I couldn't get any further because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, technically, like I didn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was all self-taught. You know, yeah. so so I felt like uh, at that point I was like I needed to, you know, try and learn more technical mm-hmm. stuff. And eventually my band broke up, so I didn't get that far. But um, <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm saying. Oh, no, I totally get it. See, I think when you're because, yeah, you were saying you were self-taught as well. Mm-hmm. You're self-taught. It's sort of like, like I really didn't like the idea of the structure of art school. I, right. I went to like an art um, sort of college just for uh, for one month after I finished high school and I despised it. Oh, really? <laughs> just like, no, you know, like this little brat. Right. Yeah, I was the same way. I was the same way in high school art class. Like, fuck it. I'm doing whatever the fuck I want. You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah. Hate your modern art bullshit, you know. <laughs> as I've gotten older and I've got an appreciation for more of that stuff, right? The, the idea of it's like, oh, so that's why they do that, and that's why they're teaching this. And you know, I'm becoming as I've in my adult life, I've sort of become more open to learning from instruction, and you know, there's a reason why people did that, right? Yeah, but that's it's funny though because that's. Uh, for artists, you know, part of wanting to be an artist is this, you have to have this kind of independent streak and this kind of rebelliousness where you're, you know, it's, it's very personal and, and, you know, it takes a certain amount of like ego, I guess maybe, or, or to, to want to like make something that hasn't existed. And, and even just to, um, you know, justify its existence. You have to kind of think, well, you have to sort of think like, you know, I'm worthy of creating this thing. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but, but so you're right. It's very, yeah. So you need that to, to be an artist, but at the same time that kind of goes against the following, following the rules at Mm -hmm. art class. So they're kind of like, I was the same way in high school. Yeah. Like I remember my teacher trying to teach me complementary colors and and school, like to gray your colors down, like an yeah. opposite color. And I just would not do it. I was such an asshole. I was yeah. like, I'm going to mix black in my colors. That's going to darken it. That's enough. And she was like, <laughs> no, you got to mix. And, and it's just years. I started painting and I was like 35 years old. And I was like, she was fucking right. <laughs> All that time. I was such an asshole and so stubborn, but that's, you know, part of being a kid too, I guess. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> I was like that. Like I tried building my own frame at art school. Like I did this. The art teachers at my art school were really great. They let me, I, I used to skip other classes and go into the art room and finish my artwork instead of going to maths or science, uh, or whatever. Cool. And they used to just let me do it. They knew I was skipping class, but they used to just let me do it. Oh, uh, that's cool. Which was cool. But I tried building this frame and I didn't know how to build a frame. And my teacher was like telling me all the bits. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing it like that. Like, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> it ended up looking like a complete piece of shit. <laughs> like, but I mean, for being self taught, there's, I guess, the, the, the point I was trying to make is like, 
being being a self-starter and learning on your own is mm-hmm. like it's like this inner thing that you have to have and that kind of you know i don't know it's just it's sort of opposed especially when you're younger it's kind of opposed to taking instruction because yeah you know it sounds like you and i both just figured it out when we were kids just mm-hmm. practiced on our own with no instruction yeah. really you know so then you get to a point and you're like this has worked all my life i'm not going to change now mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> definitely it's it's a real um it's a real internal battle i mm-hmm. think like what you were saying before about the ego side of it it's like there is a sense of ego in wanting to like put some some of your soul out to the world right but on the other side of it, you fucking hate yourself. It's this total battle of it's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> I, I see this with my granddaughter. She's just turned nine. Yeah. And she does not want to take it. She's definitely artistically inclined and like kind of naturally talented with art. She will not listen. She doesn't want to take any instruction from me whatsoever. Like she's mm-hmm. always just like, no, no. I'm like, if you just do this, I'm telling you, I've got this really easy way to make a nose. You just do these two commas for the nostrils. She's just like, no, no. It's like she has to do it herself. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, I guess. You'll be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's yeah. it, it's a stage. I think, I think I remember. Do you remember doing that as a kid? Oh, like, totally. Might, yeah. Totally. I think I remember doing that when I was a kid as well. Was that? <laughs> was that your dog? Yeah, that was my dog. He sneezes. <laughs> he sneezes and he, he makes all sorts of noises. Sorry, is he interrupting the? No, that's all right. <laughs> He's so cute sitting back there. <laughs> you can see him. Yeah, sitting on the couch. <laughs> oh, too funny. Well, uh, one thing we haven't talked about that uh, I really been wanting to ask you is. Oh, yeah. How did you arrive creatively, artistically with what you are do- painting right now? Like, how did you get here? Because what you're doing is very, that's one of the things I think is great about your work is it's like you have a, a clear vision. You know, it's not like your paintings are all different. It's like you really, they're, they're signature and, and, they're, and they're all, you know, they feel like they're coming from one person. You know, oh, like, yeah. like you have a vision, a clear vision. So how did you, how did you get to where yeah. you are now? Like what got you painting this kind of stuff? <laughs> it's, it's a real, um, well, I'll just be completely honest. Um, it's, uh, it's all got to do with uh, PTSD. Oh, wow. Post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm-hmm. And um I mean, I was in uh, an awful relationship for a long time when I was a a kid and Mm. in my early 20s. Um, But so all of the stuff that comes out is, I guess, kind of like what my insides feel like in a way. Mm. (laughs) It's it's, It's expressing how you feel. Well, I mean, part of how you feel. It's, it's it's not like it's not a conscious expression of how I feel, right. yeah, yeah. which is really strange. Because I mean, something Kevin said to me when 
when he first saw my paintings, he's like, you've had some, some, something horrible happen with men. Oh, right, your- right. Yeah, and I was like, well, yeah, I never even <laughs> thought of it like that. I didn't think of it until you just said it just now, but now I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's all, I love, but on the other hand, like, what I got from that is this deep love of the intensity of horror, horrific emotions. Uh, I love, like, just complete agony and um, and discomfort and um, like, I don't know, I guess that's why I call those paintings inner peace because it's such a, you know, right. it's my inner peace to do the paintings, but it's also like there is no inner peace. Right. It's, it's just this complete ball of uh, dust and um, <laughs> nasty <laughs> twisted up figures just like crawling out my throat every five minutes. Right. So um, I guess what happened was... Um, yeah, or it's, it's just, it's, it's not conscious. Like I said, it's not like I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, I want to paint my trauma. Right. Like no. I'm not, not actually thinking that yeah, at all. No, I'm the same. It's just what comes out. It's just, it's come yeah. to the point of just, um, I'm the same. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just, mine's my trauma was like childhood trauma with my family. Yeah. You know, and it just left me feeling alone and scared in this volatile environment mm-hmm. with yeah, just chaos going on around me. And I just sort of retreated into myself and would draw monsters and shit because it was yeah. how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then it and then it just developed into its own thing and now it's just what I do. And it's like, yeah. it's still coming from that place, but I've, I, I feel like I've mostly resolved that stuff. I mean, it's, it's always going to be there. I think when you're scarred like that, it's always, yeah. always there, but you learn how to cope. Mm-hmm. And, and part of the, the learning how to cope was the artwork, you know? I think so too. So, like, so. I think it's, yeah. And I think, yeah, cause I am getting past it. I'm doing a lot of work you know, for, for my mental health issues mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause they're, um, but yeah, I think, it, I think the, it's definitely like I have gotten past a lot of it, but it's just what comes out. Right. It's just, well, it's part of who you are kind of. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? I'm, I'm grateful for it. Right. In a way. Yeah, like that's grateful for that trauma that's because it's to- into this world. Totally. That's, that's like, when you when you finally become happy with the person that you are, or you you begin to like love yourself, or or, or or you know, yeah, yeah. When you start to love and appreciate who you are, then you can look at all your past experiences as like you, you're grateful for them because they made you mm-hmm. who you are. Like I, a lot of the issues I had were with with my biological father, and because um, he was like. Uh, undiagnosed bipolar and just not yeah. there emotionally and, and just, you know, had, you know, just up and down. And, uh, before he died, I was able to, I really truly felt like I was able to tell him, like, I, I forgave him for oh. any, any, so it was great because he got in touch with me and he died not long after that. Just, oh. he didn't even know he was sick, but, um, I remember having that realization, like, I'm happy for the experience now. And so 
I'm totally cool with everything. And so that was like a really healing moment for me, yeah. you know? And so once you, once you start to come to peace with who you are as a person, I think you can look at your past and appreciate it. Yeah, you know? definitely. I think so. I think forgiveness is a very powerful tool as right. well. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard though. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when in the nineties, I, I was so fucked up at one point in the nineties, I, I had to go to therapy. And oh yeah. Like, yeah. And it, and it was, it was a life changer for me. Cause I was like mm -hmm. having all these symptoms of this trauma coming yeah. out, like an OCD and anxiety and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, um, I remember telling my therapist, like without even thinking why I said it and not even, I, I said art, artwork kept me from going crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I as a kid and I just said it and but I'd never really thought about it it just yeah. came out and I was like wow where did that come from it must be true <laughs> because it mm -hmm. you know it was like in a moment of honesty I said that but it was it's a really organic place yeah yeah and it's like I, I guess I, I up until that point I didn't realize how how art really did kind of save me from losing my mind because who knows if I didn't have that outlet who knows what I would have done. I probably would end up being like a drug addict or something. Yeah, you know? for sure. Cause you gotta, you gotta yeah. go somewhere with this pain. You gotta do something with it. Totally. Yeah. I think yeah, therapy is so important. Yeah. And, it was a lifesaver for me. That's for sure. Really therapy, actually meditation mm -hmm. therapy, and art have saved my life. Yeah. Pretty much. I think so. <laughs> the, the, the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> of mental health, okay. therapy, meditation, and art. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see, I, you know, yeah, you could definitely see the pain in your work for sure. Oh, you can? Because yeah. a, a lot of people just find it either really scary or funny. Oh, or They no. can't look at it. Some people are like, I can't look at it. Yeah, it's, like, too, it's oh, too gross, you know. I get, <laughs> but, but the, you know, the, the, the violence, because to me I see like, violence in your paintings oh good <laughs> <laughs> but but you know and that's not you know that's not an insult at all it's like i see oh, no. I, I i see violence in there and uh i i mean i haven't even thought about this i'm just like thinking now mm -hmm. verbalizing it because automatically i just you know was attracted to your work and liked it just because it's i just like meat and guts but thinking about it um, yeah, there's like a, there's a violence there, but I just, I don't know. That's such a, to take something like violence and turn it beautiful is kind of an amazing thing. You know? Oh, yeah. You, you know, oh, it's like, thank you. that's a really, that's a compliment to it's me. Like, <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's like a transmutation, you mm -hmm. know, you're taking this, this awful thing and turning it into an amazing thing and then sharing it with people. Oh, yeah. oh, thanks. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's really. Um, I think you. Yeah, I think you get it. <laughs> well, that's I. That's really what I think the whole dark art thing is ultimately about. It's because mm -hmm. so many people I interview on here they've they've had trauma. Oh and, yeah, and most people have had trauma. I think most people. I think most people have as well. Not. Just, yeah, not everybody has a. Yeah an artistic way to deal with it. Yeah. You know, 
but but I but that's a a, th- a common theme with a lot of artists I interview on here, and in the, in the in, especially in the dark art community is is um, turning their pain into something beautiful or something. I mean, that's alchemy. Is turning shit into gold. Yeah, yeah. You know. Sometimes I think of it kind of. I guess with my paintings. Sometimes I also I think it's it's very hard to articulate, but I kind of think um, it's like a fuck you to this person or to that world, right? To to the abusive person in my life. It's like I don't know. I, I never use women in my paintings, <laughs> um, right? And I have nothing. I love men. Don't I'm not. Oh yeah, no, I. I- I love men. I like, really, I'm one of these neo-feminist people. Like, it's got nothing to do with feminism. Right. It's, um, I, I don't identify. I mean, I, I love, sorry, now I'm getting mixed up. <laughs> I'm all for feminism. Yes, but yes. I'm not a feminist painter. It's a no statement on, on that sort of thing. It's very personal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, like the violence, is, it's always, it's always against men in the paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm the same way though. Yeah. Most of my characters are masculine. Masculine. And, you know, I've done, I've, I did a Lilith, Lilith series of like Lilith interpretations of the mytho- mythological character of Lilith. But I generally like to paint um, masculine monsters. And I feel like, is it because of their ugliness? Like, because women have got a sense of natural. Like, yeah, I and, totally. Like, I, I just yeah. don't feel. I don't feel like doing that to women. It's like I feel yeah. like doing that to men, <laughs> turning <laughs> them into monsters in a way, or yeah. showing the monstrous sides. It just, it, it, for whatever reason, you know, my issues with my dad and probably my crazy grandfather used to chase us around with a. Halloween mask in the pitch pitch blackness when I was like five years old, turned the lights off and he, he was all drunk chasing us around with a mask. Right. He was doing that for fun, terrorizing us. <laughs> terrorizing the kids. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like all, all the women in my life were very nurturing. I always felt, you know, naturally more uh, in tune with women because mm-hmm. of the, the uh, just the, the vibe female energy i always felt more yeah. in tune with more nurturing and and stuff like that not i could never you know could never get into sports i was never into the macho thing or m- masculine macho guy stuff but but anyway i'm sorry to to uh, interrupt you but yeah i'm the same way with where it's like it's it's most if you look at my paintings 90 percent of yeah, them 95 percent are masculine masculine yeah I think it's also um, for me, like, like I'd love to. Fi- I find it also like, I think there's a part of me that would love to paint a woman, but I wouldn't want to make her beautiful. Mm. I'd want to make her disgusting. <laughs> and it's hard to find a model where you could say, like, right? I'm gonna make you ugly. Well, I mean, I painted this one girl, my friend, once, and I just totally, like, made her face this. It, she didn't have a face. It was just all flesh, like, mm-hmm. open, open wound. Um, but, I mean, I'd love to paint a really overweight woman. Mm-hmm. I'd love to, and I'd love to fuck up her face 
but I don't want to insult anybody because I don't I don't necessarily think that an overweight person is less attractive. Right. I think I just love the idea of folds of flesh. Right, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's harder to find women because I, cause I, I take I do a lot of photography a lot of like I take all my own reference photos and you know I I'll, I'll I set up photo sessions and stuff like that I find it difficult to find a woman that would comply to my aesthetic hmm. um, I think you but, just have to find the right models yeah totally. they're out there you know but on the other hand there isn't a lot of desire in me to paint they, that isn't a strong thing it's right. more I want I want them yeah I want these for sort of um, men, male energy. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, you're saying, you don't, you know, you're not a man hater and all this stuff. I'm definitely not. Maybe, you know, maybe the art, maybe if you didn't have the artistic outlet because of the trauma that you mm -hmm. suffered from a man, mm -hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe the artwork helps you to not be that way. Like yeah. you're, you're able to get it out, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I've no because it's very. Um, it's more for me. I've never been that. Just for me, like I've I've never been that whole about something. Like a man did something fucked up to me, right, so right. all men are fucked. Right. It's like this person was a psychopath, mm. actual psychopath. Really. Yeah, like total psychopathic Psychopaths are scary. Yeah, and that is what it is, and that could be anyone. It's more um, like it's more like you're painting a psychopathic archetype, and the psychopath that you had experienced happened to be a man. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because right. I've always had a like you were saying about women. I've always had a really strong connection with men. Um, hmm. which is really strange. Like I, I've, I was never, um, a very, uh, girl. I was always a tomboy, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, right. I, I don't know. I've always, I've always uh, enjoyed, I, I love, I, there's a lot of women in my life that I really enjoy and inspire me and everything like that. But no, there's, I just, I, I really, I really like men as well. I like people. I right. like, I think people are amazing. Look what they do. <laughs> look at a building. Do, right. Look at a building. I'm like, people made that. Like this fucking skyscraper. I know. <laughs> look at a car. Look at a computer. Yeah. Look at everything. It is kind of amazing. Amazing. <laughs> it's, a, it's, so, a, it's miraculous. Yeah. So, oh, sorry, I went off on a tangent. But, yeah, it's definitely not, uh, it's not an attack on anyone. It's not an if anyone, it's if not anything, a gender thing. It's not a gender thing. Right. Completely irrelevant. Um, it's all. It's it's just that experience. It's just that experience of trauma and and violence and and the uh, the depravity of the human psyche. Right. Which is which is something that also fascinates me. Yeah. I don't you like things. Uh, Things like I read a lot about that sort of thing, right? Like serial killers. Yes, and, you know, I, I have figured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Yes, we all do. <laughs> yeah, it's even. I mean, it's even becoming more of a mainstream thing now with all these. There's so many TV shows on like serial killers because it really is fascinating. It's fascinating. It's how how that happens. I know. 
It's freaky. Yeah, like some of the, like all of it is just this deep-seated trauma, yeah, <laughs> really, right. gone awry. Like, um, like there's some people, like I don't know if you've heard of, ever heard of, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Stuart Northcott. No, I don't think so. This guy, just this awful guy who's so just, he's wanting to look up. <laughs> yeah, Stuart Northcott. There's a great book called um, "The Road Back from Hell." He he took his uh, his nephew and just totally took him to this farm and just atrocities were committed on this kid. Wow! And he ended up escaping and everything like that. But this kid, he, I mean, he he was brutalized in the most horrific ways. He 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 did nothing of the sort when he grew up. Oh, he wrote he wrote the book, the kid? The kid's son wrote the book. Um Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah cuz I I do know I have heard of that. I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of old, right? Yeah, it was it was in it was in like uh I don't know, maybe the 30s or 40s. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um but yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like there's there's people who have experienced incredible things like that, and yeah, right. they're psychologically fucked up, but they don't go on to do it to other people. I know it's, there's this thing in some people where it's they they get their empathy cut off. Yep, they just yeah, it's just totally yeah. It's I, I you know it's it's I have such a weird you know, and I'm sure I, I'm sure you're the same way. I have such empathy for these people that were, that suffered. So, Mm -hmm. so it's like, if if I'm reading about serial killers, like on Wikipedia or something, I am like, so I, I want to read, like, I, I get this super interested feeling like, Oh, I want to read about this. Like it's feeding me in some way. Like it's so interesting. It's like, I want to devour this article. You know, it's like totally fascinating. And at the same time, it's like tearing your heart out what happened to this these people. Yeah. Especially when it's children or something or, you know, truly innocent people. So it's so it's such a weird dichotomy to love to be so fascinated with something that also kind of makes you feel so bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't that I it's get so it 100%. weird? It's so strange. Um yeah, it's, I get what it means. It does. It feeds you. I call it feeding the beast. Right. It, yeah. it just feeds, it feeds that little thing inside you that wants to um, put out what you're putting out. It's like all this. It's sort of like I just, this. I just can't figure out. I, I'm not sure why I feel that way, though, because it's like I said, because <laughs> I, I truly, you know, hate the idea of someone suffering. But I, it's so interesting the way a person can get to that point. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. It's really hard to articulate. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. I get it from all sorts of things. Yeah. But it, that's what I was saying in the beginning about that miserable feeling or right. that, that horrible thing, feeling in things. Right, right. <laughs> I, I, I do that with, um, and I've, I've mentioned, I think I mentioned this on the podcast that I lately have been listening to all these songs from the seventies when I was a little kid, like really mm-hmm. young, these super cheesy, super, you know, like the carpenters and 
like yeah. the stuff that was on AM radio when I was yeah. a little kid. And these, they triggered this, the feeling of how I felt when I was little, which was just this sick, like, like, uh, alone. And so, so alone that I like felt sick inside, mm-hmm. you know, and just this horrible feeling. I think like, like if I think for me, it's kind of normal, but when I think, I imagine my granddaughter's feeling that way and it just was like, oh, I, I could, it would just tear me up to think that they would feel, be feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I like it <laughs> in some weird way. Like I listen to the music <laughs> and it makes me feel awful, but yeah. something about it feels good. It's weird. And I'm not like into weird S&M or any of that stuff. I'm not into pain. Yeah. But something about that it feels good to me and I can't figure it out. It's weird. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? <laughs> it's like I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's like I'm I'm feeling like I it's almost like a nostalgia to feel that bad feeling of being afraid and I maybe it's just like your awareness of it now. Like you could just watch it as an observer. Yeah. It's done, and and the essence of it is what you're trying to put in your work. Yeah, you- yeah, yeah. I definitely am trying to. If anything, like I feel like with my paintings, I'm really more than anything trying to evoke empathy in a way. Like I oh. want you to feel sorry for the for the creatures in a way. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Not always. Sometimes, you know, there's certain. I really so, see that, you know. Yeah. So, sometimes it's more like, you know, I like to make them scary because I'm just like that. But, but I do like, you know, creating a sense. If you maybe if you look at my older stuff too, I've seen your older work actually. Yeah, it's like I want you to feel bad for them. Like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably in a sense because it's I'm painting myself in a weird way, yeah, you know, totally. as a kid or the feeling, and so you you you're it's almost like you want someone to know how much you hurt or something. Yeah, totally. You, you know, I think that too. It's so it's it's hard though because it's so many things. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like hate. a lot of different things. I think that we all paint. Yeah, I totally understand. What you were saying, it's, <laughs> it's funny. I think the same things. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think this is, you know, I think a lot of us are like this. I would be curious if we get responses from the podcast to hear other people saying, <laughs> yeah, I feel that way too. Cause I don't think it's uncommon. It's just so hard to verbalize. It is hard to verbalize because people, I don't know, people, it's people, especially these days, people get so offended by things. Right. And yeah. I, and I'm I'm a tar- like I'm I'm the sort of person where pe- I just think people should just do whatever the fuck they want. Like just right. do what you want, believe what you want. It's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah I don't want to. Ups- it's hard to articulate when you say I when I look at something pathetic or something miserable or something like that. I get something I feel good inside. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't like, sound right. You're a awful person. It's like, <laughs> but I'm a nice person. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't sound right because it's that's not all it is. There's more to it than that. 
Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Yeah, if it was just like I like watching, you know, if you were saying something like, like watching it and jack off. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Like that. Like, I'm not. I'm not sadistic. Like right. I'm not. Doing this yeah, it's totally a different thing. Kick out of it. It's like yeah, it's a totally. It's a different thing. It's like this satisfy, satisfactory. Like right. I think you're right. I think a part of it is empathy. It's like you empathize with it, and I think when you empathize with something, you could see the humor in it. Right. In a, in a weird way. Right. Um, which then um, sort of all comes out in this vomit of painting, I find. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, 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 I think that's why, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, me, I'm Mr. Dark Art Advocate, right? It's like my mm-hmm. my goal in life is to be this advocate for, for the, the dark art movement. And uh, I think that's one of the most important aspects of it is that it is dealing with, it's dealing with these things that you can't, they're hard to say verbally because they're so weird. But I think, I bet you a lot of people feel the way we're talking about. I bet you a lot of regular people feel that way too, but, but they don't have artwork to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. Or they don't, so they don't say anything about it, but I bet you a lot of people have that weird thing in them. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever it yeah. is, <laughs> right? Yeah, that. Yeah, whatever that is. Because I don't, <laughs> I don't know anybody. I can't think of anybody that hasn't, you know, been traumatized in some way. I think it's part of life. Trauma, yeah, you know, suffering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well. Um. That. Yeah. Uh. That was that was some interesting and intense conversation. I wanted to. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to ask you about your work, like technical stuff, because I'm really like a tech. I love talking mm-hmm. technical stuff. Um, uh, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing's coming to mind. I'm sure I'll, I'll think of it after. Probably think of it in an hour or something. Yeah, yeah. Pro- I'll just ask you, and then no one else gets no one else gets to hear it. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, this is, we're just a, almost at two hours, so it's probably a good, oh, really? wow, shit. I told, I didn't I tell you it'd go by fast? Yeah. You're a good conversationalist. <laughs> oh, I, don't, it's, I am so, when I started this podcast, if you listen to the first episode, it's probably, I can't even listen to it. It's probably really bad because I'm not a talkative person. So it's been, Hi. it's been a very it's it's been a skill I've been developing, uh-huh. so it's been good for me in that way. That's part of the reason I wanted to do the podcast is so I could learn to to speak better because I'm just not even when I, even when I was a little kid I didn't talk a lot and yeah you know, I was very mm-hmm. shy and quiet so um but but I but I you know I man I managed to you're doing great you're, oh, thanks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing I never thought I'd be doing I never thought <laughs> anything where I'd be talking to people it's like the last thing. I thought yeah. I was ever good at, but um, I don't know. I don't know what my point was, but um, well, thanks for coming on. That was really, really fun and interesting. Yeah. And thanks so much. Yeah. I got a lot out of it. I learned a lot and yeah, it was great. Oh, good. Good. Um, what do you have any, any big events going on coming up or any plans that you want people to know about or. Um, I don't actually, I'm mostly, I mean, I have a step kid. I have a little step kid. Oh, you so, do? Yeah. So um, I balance my painting 
in between that life. What age? He's eight. Oh, wow. That's yeah. a great age. Yeah, he's great. He's a great little kid. That's um, awesome. Yeah, my youngest granddaughter's eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or yeah she's just turning, she's turning eight on the November 13th. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They, or they're turning into teenagers already. It's oh, crazy. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really balance my painting with that. Um, That's cool. And, um, so what I'm working towards now is just working on a couple of things to enter for shows. Um, but, um, you know, I'll just be constantly working and then trying to somehow get myself out there. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you'll have no problem. Um, <laughs> your stuff's amazing. But people can find you on uh, Instagram and yeah, Instagram and um, what's your name on there? I'll put it in the description, but for people who are just listening, who, it's mouse squaws, so but it's with two M's and two Z's. M so <laughs> Okay. M w. Say 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 it one more time because I stepped on your line there. Start what, over. Spell it? That spell it. Spell it, yeah. So it's M M O W S K W O Z Z. Okay. But somebody had already taken mouse squaws on Instagram. Who would have thought yeah. that mouse squaws would be a thing that more than a handful of people would know about? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was very strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Instagram and my Facebook page is just Mouse Squaws. You could just find it on there. Okay. And um, yeah, and I'll, I'll put links to that in the description as well. Mm -hmm. And yeah, well, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm a huge fan. So um, one of my favorite, you're one of my favorite new artists. You and Oh, please. <laughs> you're up there with Dos Diablos your work for years so it's it's an honor oh cool that's nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank thanks everybody for listening and if you want to support the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash dark art society thank you for subscribing too I saw oh, that's that's I'm awesome sure. I'm all for the cause yes <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, get, you get the podcast a day early if you join that and We've got this new website we just launched, darkartsociety.com, and you get entry into that. But the guy, Josh G., who's building it, um, decided that he wants to make it even better. So we're going to port that to a new website, actually. But it's amazing. He sent me a sample of it, and, and people are going to dig it. So it's going to be even better than what we have right now. So uh, we've got some growing pains going on here, but it's going to be worth it in the end. So anyway, patreon.com slash darkartsociety. And uh, if you want to support me, patreon.com slash chatzar. You can see all my daily progress and time lapses and blah, blah, all that stuff. And um, I guess that's it. So thank you for listening. Thanks, Gina, for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks Very for having me. Very much appreciate it. Say goodbye to the audience. Say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>